Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. All right, let's go to the book of Jonah chapter 2 for our text today. And guess what? Today we're going to do something we don't always do. We're going to read an entire chapter of the Bible. (laughs) Some of y'all, you ain't read your Bible in a while. You're going to get the check mark. It's only 10 verses, so are you ready? We're going to read it. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all of God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then, everybody say then. The Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Amen. You got your whole chapter of the Bible, right? Here's what I want to talk about here this morning. Hope when it feels hopeless. Hope when it feels hopeless. Can we pray? Father, thank you. Thanks for an amazing time in your presence already. The worship's been beautiful. The people of God, I just enjoy being with the family of God. But right now, I just pray that the word of God would speak to each of us challenge us, inspire us, and encourage us in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want us to take a look at an amazing guy in the Bible by the name of Jonah. I'm not even sure if I've ever even preached on Jonah or not. A guy who had been given a mission from God, and initially he wasn't really doing things the right way. But eventually Jonah got it right. Here's kind of a short version of the story of Jonah, how it unfolded. I can give it to you in a tweetable statement. Are you ready? God said go. Jonah said no. And God said, oh. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's kind of what happened. Amen. I could add to this. Jonah said, no fish. God said, you wish. Amen. (laughs) But let me begin by saying this. And we can learn this from Jonah, but it applies to us too. We all have something in common with him. God has a life mission for your life. Every single one of us. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a desire for you. And see, we just need to figure out what that is. Because you don't want to go 
through life and then stand before God on judgment day and God say, did you fulfill the mission that I gave you? And then you reply back, oh, I I didn't even know I had one, right? See, God has a much bigger purpose and a mission for your life than you and I think we do. It's not just to make money and to retire and to die, amen? But sometimes things get in the way that kind of cause us to lose sight of our mission or to even lose hope in life. Such was the case in the story of Jonah. God said, I want you, Jonah, to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. And he said, I want you to give a mission, a message to these people. Now, Nineveh was a city that was about 550 miles to the east of where Jonah lived in Israel. So Jonah leaves, but he is actually going in the opposite direction. As far away from God's mission for his life as he could. As a matter of fact, Jonah gets on a boat. And he starts heading to Tarshish, which is a seaport on the coast of Spain. It is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Now, this was in the days before cars and motorcycles, before planes, trains, and automobiles, right? And he's heading in the wrong direction. Now, you talk about running from God. Jonah had that down. And how many of you can testify that when you run from God, everything goes downhill? Amen? It creates all kinds of problems. And that is exactly what happened to Jonah. He gets on a ship. He gets involved in a big storm. You read the story. The sailors threw him overboard. And he gets swallowed up by a great fish. Now, we always kind of call it a whale, or maybe in Sunday school we tell kids it was a whale because it's just easier to say that. But, you know, we really don't know what kind of fish it was. The Bible actually says that God prepared or arranged a fish to swallow Jonah. That literally means God made a custom, he had a custom-made fish, right, for the mission. Here's what the Bible said. Look, Jonah 1.17. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, my God created every fish in the ocean. God created every animal. And so certainly he can make a fish that would accommodate this mission. God could have made a custom-made fish. I mean, he could have put a lazy boy chair in there. (laughs) NFL red zone, a flat screen TV. He could have done all that if he wanted to. I don't think he did. There's a little girl one time. She was, the teacher was talking about this story of Jonah in Sunday school class. And she had uh, one of her friends in Sunday school. She wasn't really friends with him, though. They were kind of frenemies. And uh, so she was telling the story, the teacher was, and how could this story be true? And so finally the boy looked at the little girl and he said, how could God create a fish that could swallow a man? And the little girl looked back at him and said, well, I don't know. I'm not God. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah how God did it. So her little snarky friend looked back at her and said, well, how do you know Jonah went to heaven? What if Jonah went to hell? She said, well, if that happened, then you can ask him about it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) None of y'all got kids like that, right? (laughs) You know, by the way, even in the days of Jesus, there were people that did not believe the story of Jonah. They didn't. They were troubled by it. But Jesus actually said that it did happen. Folks, this was not one of those parables. This was not some story that's supposed to be speaking about. No, no. This really happened. It happened once 
that the religious scholars were challenging Jesus and they didn't believe him. They were challenging him because they didn't believe him. He claimed he was, which was the Son of God. So they confronted him and they said, we want to see you do a miracle. Prove it to us. And I love how Jesus replied. Matthew 12, 39. Check this out. But Jesus replied, only an evil adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I'm going to give them, I love this, is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now let me slip into Easter service mode for a minute. For as Jonah, verse 40, was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus said, you want me to give you a miracle? I'm going to show you one. It's just like Jonah. But instead of being in the belly of a fish, the Son of Man is going to die. He's going to be in the ground for three days, but he's going to come back later. Amen? Come on, somebody shout, he's alive. Amen. Now there's a little Easter that will hold you over till next Easter. Amen. But back to Jonah. So Jonah's running from God. He's thrown overboard. He's swallowed by this great fish. And now he's in the depths of despair. Everybody say hopeless. How do you find hope when it seems hopeless? See, now I hope you're not feeling that way today. I really do. But I can assure you in a room this size, there's people in here who feel hopeless. But I also know that if you don't feel that way right now, I don't want to pop your bubble. I don't want to discourage you. You probably have it one time or you will one day down the road. It's just a fact. How do I know this? Because one day you are going to lose a loved one. You will. One day you will probably hear the dreaded word of cancer spoken in your family. One day you may hear words like, we got to let you go from your boss. We have to let you, we have to lay you off. One day you might hear, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back from your spouse. See, folks, what, this is the real world we live in. What do you do? How do you find hope when life seems hopeless? Maybe you've not been swallowed by a fish, but you feel swallowed by depression or confusion. Or you just feel swallowed by the challenges of life. What do you do then? See, what do you find? Where do you find hope when it feels hopeless? Folks, we could take some cues from Jonah's life. And I'm going to give you a few lessons we can learn from the life of Jonah here today. Are you ready? First of all, here's the first one. When you hit bottom, look up to God. Hallelujah. Jonah 2 and 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He didn't pray right before he got thrown over the boat. He didn't pray after he got delivered from the It said right in the middle of his situation, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And folks, when you hit bottom, you need to look up to God. This whole chapter, by the way, Jonah chapter 2, the one that we read, it's really a prayer. It's Jonah's prayer that he prayed while he was at rock bottom. I mean literally at rock bottom, in the belly of a fish. Can you imagine what it must have been like down there? I mean, I can't even come. Am I going to drown? Is this fish going to digest me? Am I going to slowly be dissolved and, or consumed by gastric acid? Am I going to be crushed? Amen. He doesn't know what's going on. I'm sinking. I'm going down. His ears are starting to pop. You know, the, the well, the fish, fish is going. I mean, he's probably just, I can't even imagine. 
I would have had a breakdown. I'd have been flopping around, Jesus, Jesus, God save me, help, what in the world? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Rock bottom. I'm sure he experienced some panic and some depression uh, and some desperation, right? I mean, he immediately does the first thing on his mind. He looks up to God and he prays. Now, you might say right now, and I don't want to, I want to, particularly I want to speak to some of you who maybe you're not a believer, maybe you're not a strong believer. You might say, well, if God already has everything planned out in my life, why do I need to pray? And I think that's a fair question. That's a fair question to ask. If God's already planning everything out, if God really is in charge, if God's in control, why should we even pray? Now, I could give you a whole bunch of reasons, but I'm just going to simplify. Because God wants you and I involved in His plan for our lives. He does. And part of His plan is to use our prayers to accomplish what He intends to do. He's inviting us to be His partners. Amen? God wants us to depend on Him. God wants us to trust Him. God wants to, us to partner with Him. God could do everything in the world without a single prayer, by the way. He doesn't need our prayers. But God has chosen to involve you in your own life. He's chosen to involve me in my own life. And all of this is part of His plan. All of us together, it's plan for the world. I believe there's some things that God only does if we pray. Amen. So when you are at rock bottom, we need to look up to God. Look up to God. And that leads to the second thing to do when it seems hopeless. If you're going to pray, everybody say, if I'm going to pray anyway, what? Pray like it matters. Come on, somebody. Pray like it matters. Look at Jonah 2 and 2. He didn't just, it wasn't no milly mouth. I cried out to the Lord. In my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. Amen. Jonah cried out to God. Jonah called out to God. Come on. And I'm just going to tell you, when you're feeling hopeless, you need to pray like it matters. Come on. Pray like you mean it. Pray passionately. I'm talking about praying with some emotion, praying with some feeling. Amen. Now, have you ever stopped to think, I wonder if God gets bored sometimes with our little trite, memorized, mechanical, methodical prayers that we just recite with no emotion, no feeling, not even thinking about it, right? Some of our prayers are like, hey, God, blah, 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 right? You know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for this food. And blessed do the nourishment of our bodies. Bless the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My uncle told me that when he was a teenager, it was his turn to pray over the food. My mom's brother. They're all sitting around the table. And my grandpa, his dad, was an old school Pentecostal preacher. Some of you knew my grandpa. And my uncle thought he was going to be cute, little teenage boy sitting right next to my grandpa. So it was his turn to pray. So you know what he said? He said, good food, good meat. Good Lord, let's eat. My uncle told me before he could even open his eyes, he felt the hand come across his mouth and knock him in the chair, off the, off the chair into the floor. Amen. <laughs> See, we've all got our little cliches, don't we? We've all kind of got our little go-to prayers. We're, and, and if we're just being honest, sometimes we're not even thinking about them. 
because we've prayed them so many times. Matter of fact, you, you don't even know what they are because you've said them so many times. They don't even stand out, amen? We don't even know what they are. But hear me, let me tell you something. You pray differently at the bottom. Oh, so do I. You pray differently at the bottom. Because there are some problems in life that the only way that you're ever going to have those things solved, the only way you're going to get over that hump of depression, the only way you're going to get past that wave of anxiety is to pray persistently and to pray passionately. Amen? The only way you feel peace is when you've grabbed hold to the altar. Amen? For some things that you really want to see happen in your life, you're going to have to pray about it over and over and over again. Jonah wanted out (laughs) from the belly of the whale. Jonah wanted out. So the Bible says he cried out. He called out. Amen. He was in a hopeless situation. So let me just ask you. Do you want a husband? Do you want a different job? Do you want healing? What do you want in life? Pray like it matters. Come on, pray like it matters. Do you care about it enough to keep praying about it until God answers? Because maybe God's testing your faith. Maybe he's more interested in building your faith than just giving you a simple answer to every prayer. Amen. See, one time, some of Jesus' followers, you can read about it in Mark chapter 9. They came by and they, t- they said, you know, Jesus, we have a problem. There's this guy, he had a bad spirit in him. We tried, we prayed for this guy to be healed. He wasn't healed. Why couldn't we do that? We were embarrassed. They were all laughing at us. We walked away. He said, why didn't it happen? You know what Jesus said, Mark 9, 28. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? Look what Jesus said, verse 29. So he said to them, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. See, folks, I'm just going to tell you, there's some problems in your life. You can try every human solution, and it's not going to work. There's some problems in your life that's so deeply rooted, the only way they're going to come out is by prayer. And to get hope back when it seems hopeless, you may have to get on your knees and pray. Come on. You may have to reconnect to God. Why is it that sometimes prayer is our last resort? When really it ought to be our first resort. Amen. And there's some of you that you're here, you love Jesus. But if you're keeping it real, it's been a while since you talked to him. Amen. you got to pray like it matters. See, this is the first thing that Jonah did right in this whole story. It is. He's thrown overboard. He looks up and he immediately starts praying. He's not praying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. No, 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 no. There's none of these, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, wrote repetition. There was no good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat prayers. Jonah was crying out to God, probably shouting out. He's picking fish guts out of his teeth. He's wiping, see, Bible says his head's all wrapped up in seaweed. Come on, somebody. He is spitting out salt waters. He was probably my kingdom for some visine. My eyes are on fire. All that salt water sloshing around, gastric juices. He is praying like it matters. I got to ask you, when was the last time you got that frantic with God? 
Come on, when was the last time you grabbed a hold of that altar and you said, I'm not leaving until you bless me, Lord? Come on, when's the last time you got emotional with God? It's okay to get emotional with God. I remember one time I was at home. It was on a Friday afternoon. I was cutting my grass. And, you know, lawnmower's kind of loud. I can't even listen to the music. I tried to. It's just too much noise. I'm cutting the lawnmower, and I'm in the backyard, and I kept hearing this noise. I'm like, what in the world am I hearing over my lawnmower? And I'm going back and forth. And finally, I just turned the lawnmower off, and I looked. And there was Robin sitting in her chair on the back porch praying so loud. That I could hear her over my lawnmower. Man, I just pulled the crank. I said, thank you, Jesus. Woo! Somebody's getting a hold of heaven for this family. Amen? I don't know what she's praying about, but bless her, Lord. Hear those cries. Amen? I don't even care if the neighbors hear it. Come on. Oh, man, these lines look really good. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sometimes you just have got to say, I'm too desperate to do what I've always done. Come on, I'm not just going to sit here and let the devil pillage my family. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray like I mean it. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to fast if I have to. I'm going to do whatever i got to do. Come on, pray like it matters. Somebody give God a praise right now. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Right now, I want you to bombard heaven. Ask Him for it again. God, heal my marriage. God, touch my kids. God, heal my body in the name of Jesus. Let it be, Lord. Let it be, Lord. Don't just look up. Cry out to God. There's a word for crying out in the Bible. It's called lamenting. There's a whole book, the book of Lamentations. It's not the most exciting book in the Bible to read. You know what a lament is, though? It's an actually, it's a synonym for a complaint. You might say, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me it's okay to complain to God? I'm telling you it's absolutely okay to complain to God. God, you know, because God's interested in every detail of your life. Every detail. God, I don't like this. This is terrible. This doesn't feel right. This is not fair. You say, do you really pray? Yeah, sometimes I do. I sure do. Now, I don't do it. Uh, I don't disrespect the Lord, but I let him know exactly how I'm feeling. Amen? Did you know that in the, if, you, if you're still not convinced, read the book of Psalms. Prayers to God, one-third of them are complaints. <laughs> they are. About 50 of them or some version of, God, this ain't fair. God, my enemies are ravaging me right now. Where are you, God? What's up? God, this stinks. See, I'm going to tell you the truth. God would rather have you complain and be authentic than for you to say some little play, now I lay me down to sleep. All hell's breaking loose in my life. But I just pray this, Lord, my soul to keep. No, no, no. Talk to God. I'm going to help somebody right now. Because I'm going to tell you right now, prayer's not complicated. You know what prayer is? Honest dialogue with your creator. That's what it is. That's what it is. It can happen in the morning before you go to work. It can happen on your way to work. It can happen throughout your day when you just have a little moment and you're thinking about God. Man, you know what? There's so many times, just 30 seconds. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, touch this person. Some of you, I can't tell you how many times, somebody in this room, you'll pop into my mind right when I'm in the middle of doing something. And you know what I do? I just pray for you right then. Amen. Pray like it matters. Here's the third thing you got to do. And learn from Job if you want to get hope when you feel hopeless. Are you ready? Identify the issue. That's right. Oh, boy. See, sometimes, folks, you got to identify the cause of your despair. What is stealing my hope? Come on. Hopelessness is too big of a deal just to be some vague, unidentified feeling. I'm going to get past this. Come on. Don't miss this, folks. I want to help you. You cannot work with the problem. You cannot solve the problem. You can't even pray effectively about the problem until you identify the problem. Amen. Amen. I'm not a counselor, but I'm friends with a lot of good ones. You got to identify it. You can't counteract the feeling unless you name it. Have you ever just had this general feeling of uneasiness and you're feeling down and you're feeling hopeless and it just this is a terrible place to be? And then you realize, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. You need to figure out why. Amen. You need to figure out why. Because when you name the feeling or you identify the source, come on, I'm just going to tell you, even that in itself helps you to begin to handle the situation that you're in. It does. Anything you can't name may pro- is probably already out of control in your life. If you can't name it, if you can't figure it out, it may already have too much control in your life. You need to stop and ask yourself, what is really going on here? Man, I, I can't tell you. I haven't heard this in a long time. Thank the Lord. But I remember we, uh, there was a couple of people, I mean, one lady in particular, I remember she used to come, come and she would complain. She said, everybody is saying, and I said, hold on a minute. You said everybody is saying, and then she gave me some complaint. I don't even remember what it was. Well, and I said, who is it? Well, I don't want to say. I said, no, 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 no. We ain't doing this again. Who is it? How many? Well, it's just, and finally, it was nobody when we got it all down. It went from everybody to nobody except her. You need to sometimes identify what the issue is so you can address it head on. What's going on here? That's what Jonah did. Hopelessness wasn't the problem. The problem is what's causing the hopeless feelings in your life. You've got to identify the source, identify the issue. When you read Jonah's story, he actually puts his fingers on some of the reasons why he felt the way he did. Let's look again at a few of those verses. Jonah 2, 3 through 6. He identified the issue real good. You ready? Look, you threw me into the ocean depths. I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Identify what's causing the hopelessness. Verse 4, then I said, oh, Lord, you've driven me from your presence. That's complaint number 5. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temples. Then right back, verse 5, I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a whole lot that he said in those verses. Here's some of the feelings. I'm going to unpack them for you real quick. In those verses, here's what Jonah said. I feel hopeless when I feel like I'm in over my head. 
You threw me into the ocean depths. I'm in over my head. It's when my situation, anybody been there? When your situation exceeds your knowledge. When your situation exceeds your ability to deal with the problem. When the situation exceeds your financial resources. Lord, I'm in over my head. You've thrown me into the deep end of the pool. Jonah said, you cast me into the deep water. In other words, I'm out of my depth. I'm in too deep. I'm in deep trouble. He said, the waters, the waves engulf me. I'm overwhelmed by it. Second thing Jonah identified, he said, I feel hopeless when I feel like I've hit the bottom. Jonah said, I sank to the bottom of the sea. There was literally no way I could go any lower. And folks, when you feel like you can't go any lower, when you feel like the bottom is falling out, that's going to cause hopelessness. Jonah said, I feel hopeless, number three, when I feel out of control. I can identify with that. Job said, the waters engulf me. I'm bare beneath the waves. The feeling of being out of control and powerless, it's overwhelming. Everything around me, he said, is churning. Anybody ever felt that way? Everywhere you look, something's churning. Something's upside down. Something's sideways. You feel out of control. You feel powerless to change it. You're drifting without direction, motion without meaning, activity but no clarity. Identify that. Here's another way that we feel hopeless when we feel rejected. Now, I want you to notice Jonah's rejection. It wasn't just any rejection. Jonah said, you drove me away from your presence. That's rejection. And by the way, rejection is a big one because it's so common among us. The feelings of rejection from our friends or our family, it propels so many people into hopelessness. That's why so many people struggle with suicide and self-worth issues and their own identity. They have personalized rejection. Amen? That's why understanding your identity, you got to understand your identity as a believer. I am a child of God. That's why it's so important because aloneness and rejection can cause hopelessness. Jonah said, number five, I feel hopeless when I feel trapped. When I feel trapped. He said, the gates are locked and shut forever. He trapped by fear. One translation said it this way. I felt behind bars and somebody had thrown away the key. Mm. Ever felt trapped, stuck, hopeless? Even if you're in what feels like a hopeless situation, I want to tell you something. God wants to help set you free. Identify the issue. Because when you can name what you're feeling, you can move to the next and most important step. And it's the last one I'm going to mention today. You can ask God for help. Everybody say, ask God for help. Talk to God specifically about your hopelessness. Pray about it specifically. Look again at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 2. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And what? He answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. Psalm 50 and verse 15 says, Call to me in your times of trouble and I will save you. And you will honor me. Come on, don't be afraid to ask God for help. Don't be afraid to express how you're feeling. Don't be afraid to talk to him about your fears. But also, after you've done all that, don't forget to ask Him for help. Amen? When everything looks dark, when there's a fog, ask God for help. And help. ask Him to help you focus on His goodness. Have, you have to stop thinking about the things that are pulling you down and start focusing on the goodness of God. I preached about it last week. And I, that uh, we have to change the channel of our minds, right? 
we got to start thinking about the things that I know, the goodness and faithfulness of God. Look what Jonah says in verse 7. And this really sums up my entire sermon in one verse. Are you ready? From the Living Bible, he said, When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Hallelujah. When I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts. Everybody say, once more. Don't just do it once and give up. He said, I lost it all, but I turned my thoughts again once more to the Lord. And my earnest prayer went to you in your holy temple. I turned back to the goodness of God and the greatness of God. I'm not going to re-preach last week's sermon, but the Bible, in the Greek word for turning your thoughts, it's the word metanoia. And you know what that word means? To repent. Repentance means you turn your thoughts, you change your mind. When you feel hopeless, you need to change your mind. Change your mind. Repentance does not mean just stopping doing bad stuff. Repentance means changing your mind, turning your thoughts, thinking about things in a different way, looking at life from God's viewpoint instead of my own viewpoint. Look at the goodness of God. Come on, not the problems in my life. I turn my thoughts, metanoia, I repent. When you feel hopeless, change the channel of your mind. Ask God for help. If you keep looking at your problems, you're going to always stay depressed. Come on. you got to look to Jesus and you'll find rest. It all depends on what you focus on. I want the praise team and musicians to come. Jonah said, when I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. You know what I love about the story of Jonah? As long as you are breathing, it's never too late to get your hope back. Come on, hallelujah. When those sailors threw Jonah over the, the side of the boat and the water's calm, they thought that sucker is gone, gone, gone. <laughs> His story is over. But they couldn't see what God was doing below the surface of the storm. Come on. They couldn't see what God was doing in the dark place of Jonah's life. Hallelujah. Can I just tell you, if you're a guest here today, you think you came today because your friend invited you. But I think the real reason you came is because God wanted me to tell you it's not too late to get your hope back. It's not too late to get your hope back. Jonah knew that he was not in a good situation, and he also knew it was his fault. He knew he was where he was because he was running from God. Jonah recognized it was his sin that caused the pain, that caused the problem. He said, I know it, but you know what? You're still a good God even when I'm not good. I want to tell you right now, some of you have been afraid to even talk to God about what you're dealing with because you know it was a self-inflicted wound. You're like, man, I, I, I don't have the nerve to go to God to talk to him about this because I'm the one that brought it on myself. No, no, no. Jonah said, I messed up. I'm in the belly of the whale. But God, would you please, once again, pull me out. Don't miss that. God knew and Jonah knew that it was Jonah's fault. But God didn't care. <laughs> Hallelujah. He restored Jonah to his mission. I want you to stand with me all over this room. Regardless of what you're going through, God's purpose, God's grace, God's mission for your life, it is greater than the problems you're going through right now. I want to tell somebody, hear me, there is hope when all seems hopeless. 
But instead of turning to God's grace, so many people turn to everything but God. Maybe their marriage is falling apart. Their career is falling apart. Their body might be falling apart. Their reputation's falling apart. And they're looking to everything else but God. Did you notice Jonah didn't try to save himself? He couldn't. He couldn't. He knew he was in a hopeless situation. We have to sometimes just stop trying to save ourselves and forfeit the grace of God in our lives. Because hear me, He is the God of the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth chance. He's the God of the 50th chance, the 100th chance, the 1,000th chance. Come on. He's that kind of God. you got to have faith in the midst of your circumstances. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Faith means being sure of the things we hope for. That's what faith is. I love that verse in the New Century Version. Being sure of the things we hope for. Not just hoping, but being sure of the things that we hope for. It says faith is knowing something is real even if I don't see. That's why hope is so important. I want to give somebody hope today. Hope may not feel like much, but hear me. Hope is the birthplace of faith. You say, all I got is just a little glimmer of hope. That's all it takes. Let that birth faith in your life. It is the evidence of things not seen. And today, I want to challenge somebody. I want to encourage somebody. Begin to hope again. Hallelujah. Start believing again. Start praying again. Start back on your journey again. Amen. What do you hope for? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And we're going to begin to pray as the team begins to sing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak Jesus over my situation right now today. We speak hope. Lift your hands toward heaven. Come on. And if somebody right now, as they begin to prepare to sing, if you want to step out from where you are and come forward to this altar, we will pray for you or you can pray by yourself and just come and say, God, I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready for your hope in my situation. I'm ready for new hope in my situation today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Come on. Your name is love. I put my faith and hope in you. Break every God, I'm calling out to you. You today by faith. I'm calling out to you today, God. Jesus in the 
so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.